for the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you, turn, you men turn from my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Thank you, Katie. Matthew is going to come and give us some reflections on that psalm. So let's pray for him before he speaks to us. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who knows us through and through. You know all the range of human emotions that we experience. And we give you thanks that even knowing us as we really are, your love never ceases to be poured out upon us. We pray this morning that as we hear Matthew's reflections, so you may pin our hearts and our ears and our minds wide open to receive from his words what you want us to take away today. And we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon Matthew to speak the words that we need to hear. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I add my welcome to Linda's. It was wonderful to be able to join some members of the Roman Catholic community last night for Mass. Um, and it's great to see some of you here this morning. Um, far from the picture painted in the popular press, there is far much more that unites Christians than divides us. And it's a glorious thing that, as Linda has already said, um, baptism is one of the things that firmly joins us together in God's love. It was also great, I think I should say, well done to Thomas, who I've lost sight of. Well, he'll be over there now, won't he? Um, well done to Thomas. It's great that we have a church where children and young people can pray so expressively. Um, so, Caroline, pass my thanks. Caroline's probably gone. No, there she's there. Um, on to Thomas as well. And welcome, finally, to those who are listening again online. We put out our talks on a podcast, and people who can't make it to church for reasons of work or immobility or other reasons listen online. So we welcome you this morning as well. I'm very aware that last week I challenged you um, to find an emotion which is not contained or expressed in the book of Psalms. And I want to get across that, and the point that I want to get across was that in the Bible, we don't just have a faith which is high and lofty, but we have a faith which embodies the full range of human experience and emotion. And that was part of the attraction of, of doing a series 
looking at some of the emotions and themes that we encounter in the book of Psalms. Now what we see is a God who understands the reality, the rawness, the fullness of our human emotion. And that we can pray the Psalms, we can speak the Psalms to identify um, with the authors of the Psalms and hold the reality of our lives before God. Now I mention this in part because I'm curious to know whether any of you took me up on my challenge to try and find an emotion which is not contained in the Psalms. But secondly, to take you back to where we started, back to the first psalm. In fact, some commentators on the book of Psalms suggest that the first psalm is actually just a preface, an introduction, if you will, to the whole of the rest of the book of of Psalms. But in that very first psalm, we were encouraged to sink our roots deep into God, who will help us in living our lives for him. And this week, we're exploring Psalm 4, where David, the author, Um, has the verse, in your anger do not sin. And this morning we're going to be reflecting on anger and how to deal with it. But before we start delving into that, I wanted to explore on Friday um, what makes us angry. And I went round causing a lot of tension within PTS, which is our parent and toddler space, And before I share with you what they said, why don't you turn to your neighbour and just say in 60 seconds, what makes you angry? Off you go. So I wonder what it is that really boils your blood, that really gets you going, that makes you angry. Um, And I hope the level of tension in the room hasn't increased too much um, as you've been discussing that. Your bodies are tense, I'm sure. Um, Your minds are now frayed. Your nerves are all over the place. I wonder what it was. So some, some of the answers we had back from PTS included pettiness. Injustice was a really common uh, thing that got people angry. Thoughtlessness and deception. Uh, and then on a sort of level of laughter, one of my favourites sitting here within this, this building um, was that when technology goes wrong, that makes people very angry. Um, and there were more besides that. I wonder, did anyone have anything else which really sort of makes you angry? Just out of interest, if you're bold. Sorry? Oh, glory, okay. Here we go. Tailgating. Thank you, Linda. Any, any others? Your mother-in-law. Thank you. Is she here today? Okay. Lots of things make us really angry, don't they? Um, and it's so easy for us to become really, um, really embroiled in that emotion. It's quite a powerful um, emotion, anger, and if we don't watch it, it can take control of us. Do you know one of the other things that um, someone at PTS shared, which I thought was, was really poignant, is this, that actually we can be angry with God or at God. 
And just so you don't think you're the only person in the room who might have at some point in their Christian journey or not um, experienced anger at God, do you want to raise your hand? And you might want to look around, as I expect a sea of hands might be going up. Um, and you see that actually you're not on your own. And you know it's okay. God is big enough to deal with anger. You know, even when, like the psalmists often do, they're lamenting and they're shouting and they're saying, God, why are you far from me? Actually, that's okay. We can do that too. That's part of the power of the psalms is that we can, we can express ourselves and the rawness of our emotions back to God. But do you know that anger is an emotion that's very commonly expressed in the Bible? In Psalm um, 11, uh, sorry, in Psalm 7, uh, verse 11, we see God say, You see that justice is done, and each day you take revenge. And then in the second book of Kings, we find, Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel, and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. And in the first book of Kings, and the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. And then perhaps more popularly known, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, we find um, the story of how Jesus went into the temple and started driving out the traders and overturning temples in a, in a passage popularly known as the temple cleansing. But the thing in common throughout all these scriptures is that God is expressing righteous anger. And that's anger which is just and the goal of that kind of anger being expressed is restoration and reconciliation with God. Think back through the scriptures you've just heard. They all see God intervening in someone's life, in Solomon's life, in the life of the nation of Israel, and in the life of the temple. And the goal is to call people back to God's way. Now, anger is a really natural emotion. If God himself can express it, then it must be part of creation and we must be able to experience it too. And as just became clear, we do indeed. But in the Bible, in, in our psalm this morning, Psalm 4, verse 4, we read, Be angry, but do not sin. In the church Bibles, you'll read the words, Tremble and do not sin. But in other translations, you'll find the words, Be angry and do not sin. In the New Testament, uh, Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, says, um, not to let the sun go down on our anger. Don't sit on anger. Don't let it fester inside you and eat you up. Instead, deal with it in a good way. Paul writes, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not let the devil gain a foothold. So if righteous anger is restorative and points our lives back towards God, there also appears to be a form of anger which is destructive and harmful. This gets to the heart of what David talks about in Psalm 4 and what Paul talks about in, in, in his letter to the Ephesians. Anger is normal, it's natural, but don't let it cause you harm and, and don't let your anger cause harm to others. So if we accept that we're going to experience anger, I guess the question becomes about how we deal with it in a way which doesn't distract or cause harm. 
but brings about a restoration, a return to the Lord. Um, In the Bible, one of the authors of one of the letters writes, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about righteousness that God desires. And David, who told us to be angry but not sin, goes on to say, When you are on your beds, search your heart and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. And if you were here last week, you'd have heard me say that um, as human beings, we naturally gravitate towards rules. We naturally seek after things that tell us how we should live. But the problem with rules is that in seeking to follow them, we can so often fail and fall down. And then once we fail, we feel guilty. And we, and we resolve to follow more and to follow them harder. And then we fail even more. We become overwhelmed with guilt. And suddenly we give up whatever it is we're doing. And, and it works that way in our spiritual journey as well. Um, if, if, you're, if, if you're Christian or if you're on, on a journey towards God, you might find that you start from a place where you try and live the Christian life by a set of rules. And you might find yourself getting despairing very quickly. And do you know that there's a life aside from the life of rules and following, um, and following all that those hold for us that Christ calls us to, living life in the flow of his Spirit. And it would be easy in the context of talking about how to handle anger to say, okay, well, we need to do these three things. We need to do X, Y, and Z, and then we'll be able to handle anger. But you and I both know that that life isn't that black and white. And so what we need to do is we need to go back into the scriptures we've heard this morning and try and find if there's an alternative way for us to handle this powerful emotion, which is anger. And in the Psalm 4, in verse 3, we read, Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. Now, the Hebrew word, which is the word that it would have been written in um, for faithful servant, is hesed, which is the same word as for steadfast love. God sets apart those who have genuinely laid hold of his steadfast love, who have grasped the love of of God. So when David tells his readers not to allow anger to force them into sin, he's trying to point them back to this hesed, this steadfast love of God, this love which is unchangeable and constant and for all God's people. And he has three points of advice for um, us this morning. Firstly, Search your hearts. Be aware. Consider why you're angry in the first place and carefully think about the options that come flying into your mind as you explore how to deal with your anger. Some of those options will be really destructive. Some of them, with the benefit of hindsight, you would never consider taking at all. But search your heart and reflect on why you're angry and what the best way of dealing with it is. There's a proverb which says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. And I I, I have a rule, because sometimes I get angry too, 
and, and I have a rule that I never email while I'm angry. I, I never do it. I mean, this is a rule that I've been able to stick to in my life, and it's helped me out no end, because some of the emails that might have been sent might have got me into a lot of trouble. What I do find very therapeutic is, is to make sure that there's no address C in the address bar, and then write the email that I want to send anyway, and that I find helps me vent whatever anger that I'm feeling, and then I can move on after deleting the email and making sure that it's deleted. But you'll have your own strategies for, for dealing with anger. But there's one if you want to take it up. So, so search your hearts. Be aware. Secondly, be silent. Because we know that just um, at the point of our highest feelings of anger is probably not the time to start speaking words to someone else or even words into our own lives. Because we're in the heat of the emotion. The, the, the powerful emotion that is anger has gripped us, and that's probably not the time to start talking to other people because you'll say something you regret. So the scripture tells us to be silent, to take that time just to reflect and step back. Um, be slow to speak and quick to listen, the scripture tells us. And thirdly, trust in the Lord. Hand your anger over to God because he's big enough to take that anger and he's mighty to save us from it. Go back to verse 3. Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Anger is really natural. And there is so much injustice in the world which should move us. We should be moved um, when we see the spread of the Ebola virus. We should be moved when we see events in Paris. We should be moved when we see natural tragedies like aircraft crashes and ships running aground. We should be moved at poverty we should be moved at discrimination and oppression, particularly when vulnerable people are involved. There is a righteous anger. And as a, as a people concerned for God's world, we should express that. And the way we express that as a Christian people is through handing it over to God and interceding, which we'll come on to in a few moments, for, for the world around us. We turn our concerns for the world back to God who is able to intervene as he did in Solomon's life, as he did in the life of Israel, as Jesus did in the temple to bring about restoration and reconciliation. But friends, there's also that anger which can well up inside us, which can eat away at us and we search for some way of handling it. And that's the sort of anger which is destructive and harmful. And perhaps this morning you have that sense of anger welling up inside you. And perhaps this morning is time um, to think about that anger, to be silent and to hold it before God and say, Lord, heal me of the things that harm me. Heal me of the anger which plagues me because I'm not big enough to cope with this, but you are strong and mighty to save and you can. Should we just pause for a moment as we pray to God?
Father God, thank you for your concern for all people. Thank you that when you look and you see evil in the world, you respond. Stir up our hearts, O Lord, to resist apathy. Stir up our hearts, O Lord, that when we see um, tragedies and viruses spreading and oppression and discrimination and poverty, that we wouldn't be apathetic but that we would pray to you unceasingly. And Father, where there's anger in our own lives, we pray your healing. Heal us of the anger that lurks within, ready to sow harm into our lives, and help us to turn all that anger back to you, so that you may bring about restoration and new life. Come, Lord Jesus and have your way with us today. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.